everybody. Thank you for listening to me, Shalane, and Hey Did You Know? This podcast can be heard wherever podcasts are played, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Transistor, you name it, it's out there. So thank you so much for listening. I can also be found on social media, on Facebook, as well as Instagram with Hey Did You Know? And on Twitter, you can find me under Shalane Demarest. All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's get into this. This episode was... I mean, it. this topic is hot. I mean, school, children, teachers, and parents, this whole situation has just been really eye-opening. This week, I have three parents that I've interviewed. Two of them have one particular viewpoint, and the other has something a little different. So without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and play their interviews. And then at the very end, we're going to go ahead and do a recap. And I invite you to either private message me or reach out to me on social media and let me know what do you think about children heading back to school during a pandemic. We're just going to go ahead and get started here. Um, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. You're welcome. Now, to start, let me ask, how many kids do you have in the school system? Right now, I only have one. He's in the 11th. Oh, okay. Almost there. Almost there. Almost there. <laughs> Two more years. Okay. All right. So, now, I'm guessing um, you chose to keep your, your child at home. I probably shouldn't say child, but your teen at home. Yes. Um, why did you decide to do that? Well, given the options, I figured that that was the best for our family. Um, He has, you know, uh, certain issues with asthma. And um, even though he plays sports and is very active in school, I decided not to just because we were given the option. And I wasn't ready to gamble with my son's health the way that, um, you know, some people are taking this serious, some are not, being the fact that I have uh, asthma also, we decided it's best for us to keep him home doing virtual school for the first semester. If everything goes according to plan and things pick up and, you know, they come up with a vaccine or something by the time that this first semester is up, then we'll consider enrolling him, you know, going back to school. But for now, for health reasons, I think it's the best choice for us. You know, I understand that everybody has the opportunity to stay home with their kids, but my fle- my schedule is very flexible. So I can come home, you know, do a couple of hours with him, be gone. And because it's, it's offered, the kids can go at their own pace. They don't have to, you know, sign in in the morning, you know, which is another option. But the virtual program works best for us. And I think it's the safest way, especially knowing teenagers and They have a hard time listening. Keeping a mask on is not cool. Social distancing is not cool. They can act right in front of us, but when we're not around, you know, they're pretty much going to want to follow the crowd, what their friends are doing, hang out. They've missed them all year, you know, all summer long. And it's, it's hard. I just rather keep him safe and keep him at home. Okay. Now, again, we're not going to identify who you are or where you live. So I'm not going to identify which county, but could you um, describe what options were available for you as far as sending your your teen back to school? Okay. Um, they had uh, four different options. They had um, doing the virtual school uh, for the first semester. You know, um, I believe it's called the Save Your Seat program. 
And um, so they do virtual the first semester and then they go back the second semester. If not, we can always keep them enrolled in the virtual program if we change our mind. But they do have to complete the first semester virtual. The other option was going back to school. Um, another option was doing half virtual and half going to school a few days out of the week. Um, I think those are more for um, just socializing and, you know, some kids don't do well just being home all the time. And then there was also where uh, the option where you sign in as soon as school starts at 7.15 in the morning and they're just doing face-to-face -face classes with their teachers and, you know, they have a teacher available there all day working with them. But for us, I think the first semester doing virtual works the best. Okay. All right. I wasn't quite sure because I don't have children. So I don't, well, I have fur babies, but I don't have yeah. children. So it's like, I wasn't quite sure what options were available. Yeah. Um, and we also are leaving our stepson also at home and we're also doing, he's actually doing where he has to sign in at whatever time class starts and he's there pretty much all day um, with teachers, you know, regular school time. And then um, they take a break in between classes, but he's pretty much going to do that, which is that option is best for him because he needs the help and more interaction with the teacher, even though it's on a screen, but at least he's getting more help. Mm, okay. Um, how challenging has it been for you as far as, because you're, you're a working mom. So how challenging has it been for you as far as going to work and homeschooling your children? Um, because um, my job gives me a lot of flexible hours. It's actually worked pretty good. I try to work around where he's doing his schoolwork um, online when he was doing it. And then I would get home certain days and help him with the classes he wasn't able to do. History is my favorite. So that was more fun for me than for him, actually. <laughs> but the other classes, yeah, he was he was getting a lot of help from me. And not then he was always able to email the teachers and, you know, they would help him. Hmm. Oh, that's really good to hear. What changes have you made as far as like your, your home and, and everything to accommodate homeschooling because this is something like behind the scenes that most parents don't talk about. I mean, like one day your kids are in school and then unfortunately this pandemic happens and now home becomes school. So what accommodations did you have to do? Well, I kind of had to set up a little corner of his room, uh, make sure that his laptop was in working order, uh, had to upgrade the Wi-Fi. Of course, the food doesn't last at home anymore. Um, <laughs> And pretty much that's it, you know, being that he's a teenager, he doesn't require too much attention. I do like the fact that I keep, can keep him home safe and don't have to worry about him catching anything and being with other kids and stuff like that and, you know, just doing his own thing. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been an easy transition for us. Okay. Now I'm kind of curious, your, your son now is going to 11. So, I mean, I guess that means he wasn't able to keep any of the teachers from last year right? He has all new teachers this year? Uh, yeah. Hmm. New classes, new teachers. Oh, okay. All right. I guess it is different for high school as opposed to elementary. I was just kind of curious um, with the elementary kids, you know, they pretty much, I think, have like the same teachers for a certain block of time. And I was just kind of curious. Yeah. So I think, I think the other interview that I have with, um, with she's not only a parent, but a teacher. So mm -hmm. maybe I can ask her. We'll see. Um, what do you think about the teachers that had to go back to the traditional brick and mortar classroom situation? What are your thoughts about that? I think it was a little too soon. Um, I have family members that are teachers and 
they they are really frustrated. Um, one of them lives in Miami, and because it's a really high volume going up in the cases, uh, she is terrified. You know, she has a son who's autistic and she he needs 24-7 supervision um and it's really hard for her and she right now is trying to figure out what's best for her and her family even though it's gonna have to be a big impact with her career and she might have to you know do something different or probably just do virtual but um it's it's really hard I don't think that they've given these teachers the guidelines that they need it was just too soon to open up and you know I'm trying to follow the lead from other states other countries and just pretty much stay as safe as possible um I don't think it's time to open up yet especially for the kids I feel like if they have to do school board meetings on zoom and cancel a lot of things you know where people cannot be. I don't think the kids are ready to go back and the teachers neither. One last question. And this is your opportunity to speak your mind. This is your platform. Any thoughts or comments about, you know, our wonderful governor who is all for having us, you know, go back to pretty much life before pandemic. I mean, any final thoughts? Well, being that his children don't go to public schools, you know, and a lot of people have their children in private schools. There's a lot of us that can't afford it. I feel that um, we're not being heard. We're not being, I think it's too soon for the kids to, to go there, even though they're not showing symptoms the way that adults do or whatever. Well, you have to consider the teachers or those children are coming back home and giving it to their grandparents, giving it to their parents who are, already have underlying issues with their their health. So, I mean, for him to say that, you know, he has to look at the people. It's not just a group of people that can, you know, stay home and teach their kids all day, uh, do homeschooling. He needs to just make sure that everybody's on board, not just a few people here and there. And the guidelines haven't been issued. The CDC things that they're saying to implement in the classrooms, I don't see kids listening to any of that. You know, you have a hard time when you have two or three kids. I'm the mother of four, and I know for a fact it is hard when kids are, especially that many around, to listen. They just don't, you know, and they get distracted. Their attention span is this short. So I just don't feel that he knows everybody's situation to make that call. Mm. All right. Well, that's all that I have. Thank you so much for taking the time out this afternoon and just speaking to me. You're welcome. All right, everybody. So this week is, I mean, the interviews I have going on this week are pretty impressive because this time we have the parents. Last week, it was the teachers. This week, they're the parents. Now, I have parents with different perspectives. Now, again, all the interviews will be anonymous. I won't identify them, but I do want them to speak from their perspective and just, you know, kind of give an idea as far as like what they think about what's going on. So without further ado, thank you so much for coming on to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Awesome. Okay. Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Um, now we're just going to go ahead and get into this because this is a hot topic. I, you know, the other topics <laughs> that, I've, that I've, you know, broadcast about, it was usually like a one and done, but this is like a hot button for sure. <laughs> so, it is. Um, it really is. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I just want to go ahead and get started. So you are a parent, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay. And tell me, uh, basically in your words, what are your ideas about the children returning to a brick and mortar classroom environment? 
Um, I mean, I do plan to send my, my daughter back to school. Um, obviously, there was a lot of thought and discussion that went into it. But, you know, I think my overall view is that um, not only do I think she's actually safer in the school, um, as a lot of other kids might be as well, but I'm, I'm mostly concerned about like mental health and emotional well-being. And I think those are the things that are really affecting our kids. And you can just see it in their attitudes and other things that have come out over the summer. Suicide rates are up. I mean, there's so many things that are attacking our children that I actually think it's important for them to go back to school um, with teachers and other kids in whatever capacity that they can. Yeah, I see. So last year, you you did virtual learning, correct? Um, at the end of the school year, you mean? Yes. Yes, I did. And how was that? Um, it was okay. My my daughter is in a is a, a little bit of a younger grade, so it wasn't as difficult. But <laughs> I can't imagine if I was trying to teach some of the the upper level stuff. And I also think it's a little different because I do work in a job that's that's flexible. Mm-hmm. So I was able to make time to do that. But again, I I had other moms that um, that I that I know that their kids basically didn't do any of the schooling. Either they didn't have the resources available or they basically were left at home um, almost by themselves or with an older sibling and it just wasn't able to be facilitated. So I think that distance learning is really difficult for a large portion of families, at least that are in my circle. I see. Now your interview, I mean, I was, not that I didn't care about the others, but your interview, I was really like, just chomping at the bit. It's like, I got to get this one because your, <laughs> your views are completely opposite of, you know, of everyone else that I've interviewed. So what do you say to yeah. the parents that are like, you know, questioning your, your um, idea as far as sending your child back to school? Oh my goodness. I get a lot. Um, you know, I get the, whether I love my child or not, and how could I do this to my parents who spend time with her every week? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when I, when I look, there's risk in life no matter what you do um I mean we could you know I could go on a drive my car tomorrow with her in there and and get into a car accident so I think everything in life is calculated risk I just think a lot of it we don't necessarily think about so this is something that's being put in our face and we're being forced to think about this risk every single day um as opposed to a lot of the other risks so the risk of a child dying from the flu um is much higher than it is from COVID. Um, and, you know, they can pass that to their families as well and mm-hmm. get really sick. Pneumonia right. is caused by the flu as well. So I just think that when you look at the numbers of the percentage of the population that has COVID and the percentage of deaths from that and the percentage of the population under 18 that has COVID, I mean, there's only a handful that have even become critically ill um, in the under 18 age group. So to me, the calculated risk for me and my family is worth her going into an environment where she's going to be better off in other aspects of life. I will add to that. My family and I were very healthy. You know, we constantly do things to build our immune systems and this isn't now, this has been since she was born. Mm -hmm. Um, So we live a very healthy lifestyle. We believe in eating healthy. We exercise, we drink our water, we take our supplements. I mean, we do all of those things to mm-hmm. prevent getting any type of an illness. So I do think it puts us in a safer category. Okay. Um, now, 
I'm not sure because I myself, I don't have small children. So has school started for your daughter yet? No, it officially starts um, a week from Monday. Okay. So what does you know, the first day of school looks like? What are we sending your child back to school with as far as like, I mean, besides the pencils and you know notebooks and things like that, um, what, I guess, um, requirements has the school informed you that you have to have your child come to school with? There hasn't really been anything new that we have to bring to the school. They've always requested tissue and hand sanitizer and, you know, things like that. I mean, that's an every year request because kids are dirty, whether there's a virus or not. Right. <laughs> um, so the only thing is uh, at this point, and, you know, I think we have another meeting at the end of this week with all the, with, with all the parents um, through the school to kind of inform us of their final decisions. But um, as of now, they have to wear, uh, parents aren't allowed into the school, so they'll be dropped off and picked up in an outside line, similar to lots of other things that have gone on um, this summer. And they're required to wear a mask into the building, into their classroom, um, and then out of their classroom and out of the building. Um, they're structuring the hours a little bit so they don't really interact with other kids in the hallways or um, so much at recess and lunch and things like that. But other than that, it's it's, very similar. It's enough. There's enough similarity and familiarity that I think it's worth her going back. Okay. Um, so I, I want to make sure I under I heard you correctly. So the mask, the mask will be worn going into and exiting the building during class. Is she required to wear a mask? No. I see. Okay. Hmm. Um, and then, oh, it's something else I want to ask. Will she have the same teacher this year that she had last year? No, uh -uh, it's a new teacher. Okay, all right. I wasn't sure because um, the other interviews that I've had in the past, um, they were teachers. And then, you know, it was a matter of their concern. One of their concerns actually is like not having the same kind of relationship because some of the teachers, they're in a grade bracket to where they, they see the same kids. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but in your particular situation, she won't. So there won't be that to, you know, to be concerned about. And um, now as far as like transportation, does your child um, ride the school bus or is this, um, or do you take your child to school? Uh, I drive her to school. Okay. Cause I know that was another concern. That, yeah, you know. and I I will say that would be interesting, like to ride on a to ride on a school bus. I I, I think it's going to be very difficult for the school system to figure that out. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I can imagine. Again, <laughs> it's it's been. I mean, I my son's thirty one, so those days are long gone. But I <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> yeah, matter of fact, he can he made me grandma, so you know. Um, but, I love it. Yeah, but the thing is, is that uh, I have a lot of friends that are teachers, and I have a lot of you know friends that are parents too. So this yeah. subject really hit home for me Absolutely. in all kinds of ways. So um, I think we covered a lot here. My my question to you now, or not so much a question, but my comment to you now is: This is your platform. This is your opportunity to you know put those concerns to rest that some of the parents and you know teachers have about returning back to school. What would you like to say? Um, I just feel like people should do a lot of their own research, look up the numbers, um, you know, of the chances of 
being a positive COVID case and from there being hospitalized and from there actually, you know, actually dying. And the numbers are nowhere near some of the other things that we let happen daily in America, like heart disease and diabetes and things like that. So I, I think you have to look at the whole picture and not just what's being pushed in your face every day by the media. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I spend a lot of my time reading articles, you know, on all topics and perspectives, because I I want to I want to learn and understand. And I just feel like the risk to your child of having different issues and not just your child, but because for the teachers as well. So I mean, I know they know that there's children that aren't eating meals at home and that are being abused and that are being neglected and who are not going to participate in school because of their parent situation if they don't go back to a classroom. And I really think we have to look at this next generation and how they're going to grow up and what type of people they're going to turn into. And I think that we need to focus, like I said, on their emotional and mental well-being as well as their physical. So, you know, we need to improve the health of our country overall, whether there's a virus or not. Mm -hmm. But I think for kids, it's really important for them to socialize and learn from, you know, teachers that are so much better at it than we are. I'm a terrible teacher. I really am. It's not my suit. <laughs> and I just imagine there's so many other parents out there that are really bad at it too. Right. And I, I just really think it's important that kids learn. And if this is a one semester thing and this all goes away, you know, that's a different topic, but I just don't think that's going to happen. When you look back at other, you know, viruses that have happened in this country, um, you know, you're looking at two to three years of of this type of um, circumstance. And that's really scary when you think about a young child's life um, and two to three years of them being isolated. Mm -hmm. There's definitely um, some good points that you brought up. I mean, there's definitely the, the social engagement part is important because these are skills that as they become older, if they don't have that, they're not gonna be able to interact or, you know, Something as simple as, you know, uh, attending, I know this sounds silly and I know this may sound like pretty like, you know, juvenile, but something as simple as attending a party without yeah. those social skills, they become introverted and then shy and then they isolate themselves. And before you know it, I mean, there's going to be other mental health issues happening. So, I mean, I'm not a doctor, yeah. but, you know, I can just tell you. Speaking from experience, it took me a while to kind of like break my shell, not be that nerd because I was, I spent so much time alone as a child <laughs> that yeah. even to this day when, you know, I get an invite, Hey, we're having this now, why don't you come over? I go through like this whole checklist of, you know, pros and cons as to why I should go, you know, and it's, it stems from not being properly um, integrated as far as like social activities and things like that. So you, yeah. maybe you brought up a very good point. Um, I, I think it's a lot worse now too, because they are, there's already lots of studies done that our teenagers are already socially isolated because they do so much of their socializing through the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, that if you, you know, t and that's why there's more depression and more eating disorders and more suicides today than there ever have been in that population. So you take that a step further to where they never go to school and never interact with, you know, other kids their age. It's, it's really kind of a terrifying thought to see where that'll go. Okay. Oh, I hear the little one in the back. <laughs> I, oh, have, yeah. 
my, my furry little ones. I'm yes. trying to run away now. <laughs> yeah, I have a fur baby too. And it's just, you know, it's live. What can you do? So anyway, on that <laughs> note, that might be a good time to wrap this up, actually. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I really felt it was necessary to bring a whole complete prism of this circumstance that's going on because we just can't have all views of one and none from the other. So I feel like I presented a balanced, um, for lack of a better term, argument, you know, of, of this particular case. And I hope that, you know, like you said, we can all make up our minds after we do research and not necessarily believing things just because, you know, you see it on TV. So. Yeah. And just to say one thing, just, and this is for life in general, mm -hmm. can we just, please respect each other's opinions and not judge others for the decisions that they make. I just think that the world would be a better place if we could just all do that. Everyone has their own opinions and reasons for doing things. And I just want everybody to love each other. <laughs> oh, that's a nice bow at the end of this. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This was great. Oh, yes, I agree. All right, take care. You too. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Yes, I really appreciate your time and your, your thoughts because from what I'm understanding, I don't feel um, people are getting the opportunity to be heard. So I'm using this platform. I am your advocate. So, so without really getting too specific, because I am trying to protect your identity, um, you're, you are a parent. I'm sure. Um, how many kids are in the system? Uh, well, starting this year, all three of my children will wow. be in school. Uh-huh. Okay. And um, are they kind of like in the same bracket? Are they like all elementary or are they like high school or what's happening? Yeah, they're all young. They're all in okay. elementary. Um, yep. All right. Cool. Cool. Okay. And if I... If I remember correctly, you are also a teacher, right? I am a teacher, yes, and oh. public charter school. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're just gonna go ahead and jump in then. <laughs> I got some questions for you. So as a parent first, okay, what, what were your thoughts about returning to a brick and mortar classroom situation? Uh, very, very tentative, very concerned because, especially as a mom with young children, I do everything I can to boost their immune systems um, and try to keep them, you know, robust and healthy. Um, but with the quarantine, I feel that everyone's children's immune systems have dropped. Uh, to just throw everyone right back into school, um, full traditional schedules, you know, not even sort of easing in, um, mm -hmm. it's definitely a point of concern for me because you know, I have small children um, that, you know, kind of need a little bit of a buildup. It's not that I don't want them to be around other people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I just feel like we need to kind of gradually, you know, expose them a little bit, like expand the bubble, you might say, a little mm -hmm. bit at a time and instead of, oh, I have no idea. You know, I don't know every single kid and every single family that's in their school. Um, it, it's not like me choosing a play date where I know, oh, you know, you've been safe and I've been safe. Instead, it's, I have no idea where, you know, uh, he could be, my, my boys could be in a classroom with parents that, you know, are very cavalier and say, oh, whatever, you know, 
we went to the beach and we went to Walmart and we, you know, protested masks. You don't know. You don't know the philosophies and mindsets of uh, the kids that, you know, and families that, that your children go to school with. Right, right. Okay. So with free children now, were they in school last year? I mean, as far as like, what were they all in virtual school last year? Uh, two, two of them were. Yep. They did both in person for three fourths of the year. And then they both did virtual, very different experiences, I might add. Right. Which, which nice segue, nice segue. Cause that's what I was getting ready to ask you next. How was that like? Because you are a teacher. So how was that like as far as you trying to teach, but then you've got children at home because I, um, were you, were you yourself teaching virtually or were you in a classroom? I was. So it was kind of impossible. The, uh, the terrible, honest truth is that it only worked because my husband lost his job. Hmm. He was furloughed, and because he was furloughed, he taught them while I taught. Okay. Um, and then I had the flexibility to do my job even in my contracted afternoon hours without having to be 100% mom at the same time because he was home. Um, if, if that hadn't been the case, if he was like an essential worker or if his job had switched him to working at home, it would have been really difficult because I, my school, we teach live. Uh, so I was live full camera for class hours. And then I also did live Zoom meetings with students for extra help um, where they might've come to me in person or asked me you know, for help before or after school. Instead, I was doing afternoon Zoom meetings with them. So I was live on camera a lot and my children climbed on my head. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> no. So, you know, to be, to be, you know, in a, in a situation where not only are my students seeing like me, like at home as like personal life, which it's not like I don't want my students to be able to relate to me as a, as a person, but there's a little bit of a line where, you know, we've never really let our students into our personal homes before. And we get yeah. all kinds of training as a teacher on how to find that, find that line, that balance. And that was just kind of thrown to the wind, you know, back in the spring. And that was with um, a condensed crisis situation for, for schooling. Um, and then my, my children went to two different schools last year. And one of them, he sat down, he went live with his teacher for a couple hours in the morning. And then he had digital assignments that he turned in. And actually that flowed pretty well. I still felt like it was a little bit too much work for a kid his age, but, um, but we still were in good communication with the teachers. They were very easy to talk with and reach. Um, my younger son um, had, had zero live instruction. His teacher would send these crazy long, like remind, which is kind of like a text message on an mm -hmm. app. These huge messages with like these lesson plans like we were going to have a school structure from 8 a.m to 3 p.m for him and we were like that's not happening and then she would constantly send out hey your kid's not doing his work kind of messages and we were like well he's he has to do his work after his brother you know because they're sharing a device so you know oh. even as a teacher you know i couldn't go out and buy a laptop for everybody you know i had my laptop for my work and then we had 
a laptop from the school. Um, but the, the one, my one son, his school let him borrow a laptop. My other son, uh, they said he was too young, so they didn't. So they had to share a device, which meant they couldn't do school at the same time. So that's just like tiny scratching of the surface of the complications that we had. And that was, you know, in a, you know, reduced non-traditional schedule kind of setting. You know, you brought up a very interesting point. Um, the other, the other um, individual that I interviewed two weeks ago, she as well was a teacher and a parent. Um, and it's funny, we, we didn't, even, I didn't even think about that. The fact that you have three children fairly close in age, and if they're all virtual, you need three separate, you know, devices. And, yep. you know, and so like what happens when you're in the household and there's only one computer? Wow, I did not even think about that. Huh. Mm -hmm. So again, anyone who's listening, you need to like connect with your teachers and see what wish list they have as far as like supplies or anything else, because this sort of thing happens, you know, I mean, and also like check on your other parents. If you've got friends that you know that they're parents and you've got an extra computer, see whether or not if, you know, if you can help them out, loan your computer, you know, just make sure there's nothing on here, <laughs> but see if you can, you know, loan your, your device to them. Man, that's, that's something I didn't think about. Um, well, it was really interesting as a, as a teacher too, because I had students that were um, not only trying to log in using whatever random device they had, um, which might be a tablet or uh, even a phone. And so as a school, and I know a lot of other schools did this too, we really did try to help them as best we could. Like if they didn't have a laptop, um, as long as they were willing to accept responsibility, you know, we let them sign out school property laptops mm -hmm. um, to use, which was very helpful. But then you would have a kid that, I mean, a student that did have a device whose parents said, hey, we're going to go run an errand and would make them try to be on virtual school on their phone in the car while driving. And it, it was absolutely impossible. There was no way they were going to learn anything of what I was teaching while they're in the car traveling with their family, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that's definitely a concern that I have upcoming in a few weeks as well. Wow. Okay. So for you this year as a teacher now, we're going to kind of flip the script. Are you teaching virtually or in a classroom? I have to do both simultaneously. So you're going to have your, so you're going to have face-to-face -face students and online students at the same time in your room. Yes. Wow. That's, that's frustrating to hear because I'm sure you're not getting, you know, any kind of incentives or extra pay, you know, to, to, cause that's, that's hard. That is a, as in just in general, virtually, you know, this is a whole new world and it, it's, it takes a special person to be able to teach anyway, but to be able to keep your students engaged online, because what's the first thing that people do? Adults do it. I do it. You know, when I start getting bored, what, what's the first thing I do? I reach for my phone. You know, and I start yep. getting out of my phone and you're supposed to be paying attention to what's happening on the Zoom call, you know, so that's very frustrating to me. Now, as far as your classroom, have you seen your classroom yet? As far yep, as yep. I worked, I started work uh, last Thursday and then I was in the, I was in the school today okay. and I will be all of the next three weeks. 
So how, how was the con- um, reconfiguration of your classroom like now? Honestly, I really liked it. Um, I was a little nervous of what I was coming back to because I was told that because of the setup of virtual, I would have to do only front of the classroom forward facing so that the camera could catch what I'm doing and, and students could be watching. Because mm-hmm. of course, if I walk over somewhere else or if I'm doing group work or rotations, not only do I have to be extra careful of students being too close to each other, but I also, you know, might not be able to be seen or heard as well by my virtual students. Hmm. So I was nervous that it was going to be this like, ugh, kind of setup. But actually, uh, the administration or whoever was uh, setting everything up, they they really did think about a good flow to the classroom that allowed me to have some flexibility and extra space to move students around. And when this when more students do start coming back and face to face, like quarter two, quarter three, um, I will still have like plenty of space for them um, to be apart until we get up to like three fourths of the class full. So that's actually really great for me. Um, they give me extra whiteboards so that I can um, that I can utilize you know my walls a little bit more. Um, so I actually really do like how they set it up. Um, and my, I do teach at a smaller school. Um, so we, we are a little bit closer of a team, you know, and so as far as working together, giving each other ideas, helping each other, um, and my administration supplying us some of what we need has already happened. So that's all pluses. Um, they doubled their custodial staff. Um, they're going to be sanitizing and disinfecting every hour. Um, they're really going to be supporting us as far as, um, you know, helping the kids take everything seriously. And, you know, we're going to have that support. So all of that is there. Um, and I teach older students. I teach middle school and high school. So I'm able to be a little bit more straightforward with them about how this is serious and they need to take it seriously. Um, and I, I don't have to worry, you know, like, I'm actually kind of glad in this situation, I'm not teaching children that are my kids' age. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's going to be harder. I'm curious. So you said that um, you were given your, P- your PPE, so you're not having to purchase more on your own? I mean, I'm sure I'm going to have to purchase things. Um, mm-hmm. We always have to. Um, right. But not only does my district give us um, they pretty much give us the amount of money that we no longer can count off on our taxes. You know how like, uh, they took that away. Teachers used to be able to count like $250 off on their taxes for school supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they took that away. And so my district actually just gives that to us. As long as we can show them receipts that we spent, you know, the amount of money they gave us on school supplies, then it's paid for. Um, if we spend more above and beyond that because of something that we really need in the classroom, um, we can always run it through our administration first and they might be willing to splurge on it because, uh, they see the value in it. Um, there's actually very few things that I've needed to get in my position right now that I haven't found a way to get it paid for, which is actually really, really awesome. Cause I know that there's teachers that don't remotely have that. Right. Um, the, the teacher that I interviewed yesterday, she, she teaches in Georgia and, um, 
the things that she unfortunately experienced is like they're not they're not receiving PPE. They're, they're PPE. They're going to have to get on their own. I'm like, well, you know, there's there's organizations that are donating things to them, like face shields and stuff like that. But like the, the your typical like your your wipes and yeah, that's not cool. and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, so that's not good at all. And then for you, I'm sure that you've got a protocol set in place to protect yourself as far as. You know, are you wearing like the mask and the face shield and the gloves and the robe or what's, what's your. Well, our school is requiring a mask and a shield. Um, so they did supply the initial one to us if we want more or like additional ones to trade in and out and clean in between, then that's on us. Um, but the principal's already said that, it, you know, if she sees good deals on things or if any of us see good deals on things, she's happy to you know, purchase them, um, mm -hmm. to keep everyone safe. So, um, that, that, that's great. She's not, not going to buy us, you know, five masks and five shields, but you know, she did get us, you know, one of each and then, um, you know, uh, is allowing a little bit of leniency. Like for example, if I wanted to get a mask that had like a clear, you know, front on it so that the kids could see my lips and stuff when I'm talking, you know, she would allow that. Um, as well as, um, if I'm more than six feet away from the students um, and I have my face shield on, I can move my mask so that they can hear me or understand me, um, which is per guidelines, you know, um, even for professional development or teaching, if you're far enough away from the other people in the room, um, more than that six feet, there's a little bit more leniency with, okay, they can't hear me. Let me put my mask down for a moment, you know, because I'm far enough away. Um, so in general, you know, the guidelines are distancing, you know, uh, being extra cautious if you have to sneeze or cough or clear your throat, um, you know, you know, hand washing, hand sanitizer everywhere, uh, masks and shields, you know, we're, we're doing the whole, you know, all of that. Um, and if, if a student has, you know, a runny nose and they say, hey, I got allergies, they go right to the office because that's not on me to determine, it's on the office to determine whether they've got a note and yeah, we got to try to manage this or no, you're going home. <laughs> right. Um, so they definitely have a high, we're not going to focus as much on attendance um, and more on everyone coming to school healthy, which I, you know, which I support. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, in conclusion, this is your opportunity now. I've, I've, you know, asked some, some, I felt some key questions is just to help paint a picture as far as like, especially in your situation, because you are a parent and a teacher. Um, but this is your opportunity. This is your platform to, as a, as a teacher, and I guess as a parent as well, what is it that you want other parents and other teachers to know about the trans, you know, the transitioning, because I'm not sure what options you had available as far as returning. Um, I know that the young lady that I interviewed yesterday, because of her grade level, she didn't have a choice. She had to come back. There wasn't a, a virtual, you know, um, option available for her. So I just want to yeah, know. So I'll, I'll try to address all of that. Yeah. Um, I, I feel so tentative about all of it. it um, I'm very nervous that we're going to go back and find ourselves shutting everything down and going virtual anyway in September. Um, 
And as a teacher, I'm in a tough situation, but it's a tough situation for a lot of parents. Any time that you have a two-parent working home, the ability to afford a nanny to keep your kids home and virtual, uh, the ability for one parent to change their schedule to be home with the kids virtual, um, to work from home and try to also teach your children. These are all pretty much impossible situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't teach from 7.50 in the morning to 2.40 in the afternoon and be the only adult home with my children. Yeah. And I'm not paid enough, <laughs> quite mm-hmm. honestly, no teacher really is, to pay $500 or so a week for a nanny to come in and teach them and walk through that you know, to do everything for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that the biggest thing is we need to have grace for everyone. You know, I think as a teacher, I'm going to be spending, extending a lot of patience and grace to my students and their families, whether they're virtual or whether they're face-to-face. Um, I think that um, my, my biggest hope is that parents will extend grace and patience with teachers because back in April, we were getting all kinds of love. We were yeah. getting all this stuff. Oh my gosh, teachers are amazing. We can't mm-hmm. believe like all of the work that they do. Wow, look at this teacher teaching my kid virtual. Wow, you guys have it all together. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how hard it is to be home with my kid all day, 24 um, seven. We were getting all of this. And then the moment the teacher said, eh, should we really be going back to school when we haven't proven that COVID-19 is, decreasing you should I don't know if you've seen any of the comments online or on Facebook oh or yes I have mm-hmm. it's well you just got a five month vacation well you know what are we paying you for if I'm going to homeschool my kids then what's the point in having you mm-hmm. and so I think that the biggest thing that I want parents to realize um is that I have worked more doing all of this then I worked face-to-face. And I don't mean that I slacked off face-to-face. Um, two years ago, I was working 60 to 70 hours a week. Um, and I was at the school up to seven days a week because I was an elective teacher. Um, I was there, you know, full-time, morning to night, into the evening, doing after-school activities, nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. Then last year and this year, you know, I'm an elite. ELA teacher and as a core subject teacher, we have 44 standards that we have to hit. I have to teach these kids, um, you know, kind of two years worth of stuff every year. Like it's almost an impossible list of things that we have to teach and to, um, to manage all of the difficulties that families have with virtual, how are they logging in? Do they know how to log in? You know, I can't just pop up behind their shoulder and fix the error that they have on their computer like I would in face-to-face. I have to go back and forth and back and forth and have screenshots and try to get them access when a student is, you know, because not all students, students don't just magically become tech savvy. We have to teach them, you know, if they have to create an account or they have to log in a specific way so it's a secure. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that the biggest thing right now is that parents understand understand that teachers are working we're doing extra trainings we are I I mean I did trainings and professional development the entire summer um I was taking classes and doing uh you know lesson planning and I was learning how to be a better teacher all summer long and technically 
Technically, I wasn't paid for that. You know, my pay over the summer was back pay for the extra work I did during the school year. So, you know, and when I was working in quarter four as a, you know, when we were doing virtual, a parent might say, oh, well, she only taught for three hours in the morning and then she was done. No, not at all. I had so many students struggling who didn't understand how to wrap their mind around an assignment or a learn something we were learning um, because they were sitting in their home instead of sitting in the classroom with me that I spent, I mean, I was working some days from seven in the morning to 11 PM at night. I had students messaging me, you know, at dinner, after dinner, into the evening. Um, I had to have a conference with a parent because the student messaged me at one thirty in the morning. <laughs> Oh, no. And we had to have a conversation about boundaries. And, you know, students were just constantly messaging their teacher. And it wasn't just me, it was all of us. You know, we were more accessible all of a sudden, you know, instead of it just being you go to school, you leave school. Now it was, oh, we don't really know when everything starts and stops. And I'm trying to do my homework at 11 o'clock at night and I need my help. I need my teacher's help. Mm-hmm. And we had to explain that if you waited till 11 o'clock at night, normally you wouldn't be able to send your teacher a message. So you still couldn't send your teacher a message. You know, if you're going to turn it in late because you didn't understand it, this is a lesson to be learned, you know, for next time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, all of the negativity that we're getting, um, we get it. We get it. We get that there are parents who are nurses. There are parents who are teachers. Uh, I mean, not teachers, but doctors. There are parents who are considered essential and they just work at the grocery store and we understand that they you know had to put their lives at risk to keep their jobs um but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be careful about opening schools full schedule full hours you know full everything um the only thing that i'm grateful for is that a lot of parents did find a way to keep their kids home um that parents that were able to do virtual are doing virtual. Um, and so my classes, you know, from what I've heard today are going to be small. Um, and so that risk goes way down. Um, so I guess the biggest thing to communicate is, you know, we just need a lot, a lot more love and grace for each other and understand that teachers, we're figuring this out. Parents are figuring it out. Administration and schools and government workers essential workers, everybody's figuring this out, you know, and I'm incredibly grateful to have a salary job with benefits right now. Um, super, super grateful. And I am working my butt off to, to be the best teacher that I can be. That doesn't mean that it's possible to do what they're asking us to do. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to take attendance live in the classroom, give them something to do, turn to a computer, make sure that the students are in uniform logged in on time, sitting up, not on their phones, paying attention, you know, and I've got to juggle that simultaneously and keep them engaged. Um, It's going to be really, really rough. And, you know, but I would still do that because I want all of my kids to survive. And I say my kids as in my students, you know, I care about each and every one of them and I want them to be safe and healthy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as an educator, I love learning, but, um, I wish I wish there was a little bit more leniency where we weren't so scared that kids were going to be like stunted if we explored alternative ways of teaching them during a pandemic, you know, 
why, why not loosen it up a little bit and say, you know what? Maybe we're not going to learn 44 standards right now. <laughs> Maybe we're going to just look at your social, mental, you know, everything, whole emotional health and make sure that our, you know, next generations are okay right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't really think there's enough focus on that, making sure that that after all of this time at home and knowing people maybe that have been sick or scared that they're going to get sick, um, you know, our, our kids are going through a lot right now and, and adults too. And we're not taking, we're not putting the brakes on enough. I mean, some people would think we have, you know, everything closed down and shut down, but we're not doing it in a way that looks at each other as humans and what humans need. And I just think that's really important right now. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time. That was, I mean, you touched upon some things that I hadn't even thought about. I mean, just now you went and said that you have to go on a computer, make sure your, your students are logged in, make sure they're in uniform. And I was like, that's right. Like, <laughs> they have to, even though they're home, they're supposed to be in uniform because technically they are in school. Have you thought about that? So, you know. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you were a little bit more lenient back in the spring and students took advantage of it. And we had student we have students recorded on camera with their sheets over their heads in bed and they're not going to learn that way. So if we're going to do our part and we're going to make sure that they're learning, then we're going to have a higher standard for them to make sure that they've got a space and there's, you know, if they're going to be in virtual, then that's for their health. But it's still my job to make sure that they're getting the same rigor, you know, and same high quality education that the students who are face to face are. And part of that does include not laying in bed, (laughs) getting up, putting your uniform on, getting ready. Make sure you have a shirt and pants or a shirt and skirt. Please. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and, um, Yes, more grace. Absolutely. We need that. Thank you. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. You too. Wow. Incredible. I cannot believe just the different perspectives that are out there. You have the two parents that were definitely for um, keeping their kids at home and, and actually checking out virtual learning opportunities. And then you have the one parent who decided that, you know, her school is safe, her child is safe. And it doesn't say anything about all three of these parents, whether or not two love the child more than the other. It's all about having choice. So again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you parents who took the time to interview. Thank you parents so much for having the courage to reach out to me and allow me to interview you. So thank you so much. Again, this podcast can be heard wherever podcasts are hosted. You can hear me on Apple, Stitcher, Google, Transistor FM. There's there's so many, but again, thank you so much. Until next time, everyone be safe. COVID is real, guys. Wear your mask, be kind, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.